Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 164 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I became an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is family caregiving, employee health and safety, and productivity. Productivity of companies matters in these economically challenging times. And productivity also matters to working families, especially at a time when work, if lost, may be difficult to find. So when an employee's health affects his or her productivity, Care for his or her health is important to the employee's family as well as the employee's employer. Caring for the employee's health includes caring provided by the family caregiver who may also be an employee or be self-employed. And in yet another way, caring for employee's health matters to everyone. That's because the health of people in their 40s and 50s impacts their health in their later years when they're they're retired from work. All of which is why programs like the Institute for Health and Productivity Management's Workplace Center for the Working Caregiver are so important. And it's also why our topic today, family caregiving, employee health and safety and productivity is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Dr. Pamela Thomas, and Pam is Chief Medical Officer and Executive Director of the Institute of Health and Productivity Management's Workplace Centre for the Working Caregiver. She's Adjunct Professor in the Department of Environmental and Occupational Health, Rollins School of Public Health, Emory University. She's former director of wellness and health promotion at Lockheed Martin Corporation. She's also former director of wellness and health promotion and medical director for Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, where she oversaw medical service to to over 7,000 employees. And also at Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, her duties expanded to include health and productivity management, as well as disease prevention for over 28,000 employees located in Georgia, Texas, California, and elsewhere. And she served as chair of the Occupational Environmental Medicine Residency Program Advisory Board. 
She is a preceptor for residence practicum. She's trained residents from various occupational medicine programs, including Harvard and Oklahoma. So, welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Now, I'm going to go straight away to ask you the first question. And the first question, Pam, is I'd like you to tell us uh, more about your professional career and also about your own experience with family caregiving. Pam? Okay. Basically, I've been in occupational medicine for almost 30 years, and one of the big issues that I discovered back in the ni- late 90s was that so many people in the workplace were providing care and trying to work full-time, and their productivity was really challenged. And I had gone to a program that was designed to help people who take care of people with cancer. And when I looked at the program, I asked permission if I could adapt it to the workplace because I realized that was a needed resource. And so I did that. And based on doing that, I really discovered how many people were in the workplace and, you know, taking care of a sick relative, whether it's parent, child, or sibling, and how much stress they were under. So from that, we had that program going, and it helped quite a few people become more productive, not just at work, but also in their caregiving duties, because as you can imagine, these people are ill-equipped to do the technical things they're sometimes required to do when families are sent home so early from the hospital. And so it's been something that, you know, I've been doing. What's interesting about my personal experience is that, and a lot of people are going through that, being a long-distance caregiver. My daughter lives in Chicago, and she turned 30, healthy, had a physical two weeks prior to this occurring. Everything was perfect. Suddenly, I get a call. She didn't show up to work. Do I know anything? No, I don't. And, of course, panic sets in. And it's sort of like that 2 a.m. call when you have no idea what to expect. Turned out one of her caregivers, her co-workers kept insisting, no, that's not like her. Even if she's going to be two minutes late, she'll call. And she had a 10 o'clock meeting where she hadn't showed up. So it turned out she was found in her apartment, passed out on the floor. She got to the hospital. They determined she had a severe stroke. And they did every test in the book, as you can imagine. Nothing showed up positive. But now we're seeing more and more strokes in younger people. And they found a block in the vessel in her neck, but they're not sure why or how or why the whole thing happened. And being totally paralyzed on the right side, including aphasia, which is an inability to find words. So you know what you want to say, but you're not able to say anything. And so, you know, you're trapped inside your head almost. But thankfully, at the time, I had just left Lockheed and then went on my own as a consultant. So I could work from home and so I could jump on a plane and get there and work from her hospital you know, the side of her hospital bed. And it's very challenging when you've been a physician for so long and here's your child, your baby, 
and you're not able to do anything to change the outcome. But one of the things you realize is that you, through your love and caring, can help. And people need to recognize that because it helps you deal with some of the caregiving stress where, you know, if she got down, I would say, look, take your 10 minutes, feel sorry for yourself, but you're going to get up after that and we're going to go to rehab and you're going to work as hard as you can because it's okay for you to get mad at me because I'm doing this, but you're not going to get mad at me later because you never recovered as much as you could. So that's sort of the attitude that we have to take when, you know, because it's our loved one, we get caught up in the emotional side of caregiving, but we also have to realize that we're providing a very special service. And in the workplace, you know, six out of ten people who are giving care are also, you know, working full-time. And so it's something that you end up becoming almost like a juggler in a circus because you're tossing so many balls. And, you know, for me, in the hospital where she was, some areas of the hospital had very poor Wi-Fi reception. So if I had to do a conference call, my phone wouldn't work. I couldn't get to my iPad and all these issues. But somehow you have to find the strength to get through it. And it's interesting. Thankfully, in 10 months, she was able to go back to work. All her physicians were amazed. And, you know, somehow I think the fact that I was there, the fact that I was pushing her, the fact that I was there to encourage her when she was down, because I saw other young people in the hospital where they had, you know, not too many visitors around, and they would just lay around in the bed. But I had her up and going and pushing, and when she didn't want to do it, say, have your pity party for 10 minutes and let's go. And it's it's sort of tough love, but you have to do it. Yeah. Pam, um, I'll comment back to you about that story, but it's what I call the experience of someone, a family care caregiver, who's been there and done that. Right. Now, I want to... Uh, ask you about the services you provide from the Workplace Center for Working Caregivers and give us an impression of the people you provide these services to and how the services benefit them. Okay. Based on the program that I was doing with the um, employees, the Workplace Center was developed mainly to provide services to the people in the workplace who support the working caregivers. And it has mainly a focus on making sure that their right uh, policies and procedures in place to empower the caregivers to be able to work. And basically, people get frustrated when they show up to work and they're not able to produce, but through no fault of their own, most of the times they're doing caregiving full-time and then trying to get into work and produce when they're not totally rested. And so what we do in the Working Caregiver Center is develop programs to train HR, medical, as well as uh, supervisors to be able to support the caregivers. We also 
provide resources for the caregivers because the bigger issue is trying to find time to get different resources that are needed. Sometimes something as simple as finding the right size of a particular thing that will make your life easier can be so stressful. But the other thing that we do is encourage sort of group support in the workplace where people can find or reach out to other caregivers who can give them referrals to different things in the area where they live or work to find resources. And one of the things we're currently doing is revamping and fixing some of the breaks in our links on our website. But when we relaunch in January, it's going to provide good links to lots of different services because we know there are so many challenges for caregivers and it's important that they can get them quickly so they can focus on work. The other issue that I would like to help the the caregivers to understand, please reach out to your supervisors and coworkers and allow them to know what is going on in your life because what will happen is your productivity will lapse and Don't wait until you're at the point of being terminated to start talking about it because by then people's patience has been stretched and there are laws and other things available to you that if you talk to either your HR, your supervisor, or your coworkers, they may be able to point you in the direction of getting the resources that you need because that's a bigger issue. Pam, I'm going to stop you there because it's the time that we have to take the break and we'll carry on in the next segment with the things you've just been talking about. So we'll take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie and my guest is Dr. Pamela Thomas. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to 
our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Pamela Thomas. Our topic is family caregiving, employee health and safety and productivity. Now let's talk about the challenges faced by family caregivers caring for working family members and the ways in which you help the family caregivers in meeting these challenges. So now, first Pam, let's tell us about the challenges. The Working caregivers, sometimes one of the bigger challenges that, one, they did not volunteer to do this job. It was thrust upon them either because of emergencies or circumstances, and therefore they are not really trained or equipped to do this. So there are a number of uncertainties. They are nervous about hurting the person they're taking care of if they do something wrong. And so it's important that we realize that. Based on this also, there are also a lot of economic hardships because now they have to take on other responsibilities. Sometimes because of the time constraints, they're not able to work overtime or anything else. And so it's important that you know, the fa- other family members around realize this and help out. Sometimes a big issue is the person who lives closest to the person who needs care end up being sort of nominated to be the primary caregiver. And the other issue is the people who are away when they come in once in a while, they start second-guessing and, you know, challenging the person who was there all the time. And so family members who are not the primary caregivers should at least help the primary caregiver by supporting them rather than coming in like the Monday morning quarterback and second-guessing what's been done because they're doing the best they can with what they have. And it's important that everybody realizes that everyone can play a role to help relieve some of these stresses because we've seen that when spouses are taking care of a sick spouse, they have an increased risk of heart disease, and that means that they're stressed from morning to night because they're working. It's like they're working overtime all the time without any relief, and some of them end up having to give up their jobs, and they may be in a job for a long time, and they have to decide what they have to do, and that impacts their pension and their well-being and livelihood going forward. There's a lot of emotional strain because they're watching a loved one who was either a parent or their spouse, and now this person's health is declining, and there's not much they can do about it, and they're trying to do the best job that they can, and it's, it's an issue because they themselves ignore their own health care needs and are not practicing self-care because the time is not there. And so it's important that, you know, people around them support them and help them get through some of these challenges. And so one of the things that we as the Institute can provide, as well as other people in the community, is to make sure that we're helping them with resources because some of the other challenges is trying to do anything that's linked to anything legal. A lot of times people are not making their wishes known or 
doing wills or discussing wills. And so, you know, a simple issue as somebody who is on Social Security with that money being deposited directly into the bank, the caregiver can't get access because it was never arranged with the bank for that to happen. And there are all these challenges. So some of the things we do is to have legal, legal people who deal with elder care issues come into the workplace and have what we call lunch and learns for these caregivers where they can get the information they need to be able to do the things they need to do ahead of time. The other pieces like having Social Security or Medicaid or other federal agency or agency on aging come into the workplace where during work time they don't have to go someplace else to get the resource. During work time they can get with these people and find out exactly what they need to do, how they need to do it, because a lot of times people are doing things that are not legal and they're putting themselves at risk to then be prosecuted, and all they're trying to do is help their care receiver receive the right care. Pam, I just want to ask you, of all those challenges you've been talking about, which do you see in your experience as the most difficult ones? Why are they so difficult? And then, please, tell us about the ways in which your work uh, with family caregivers, help them meet these particularly difficult challenges. Pam? Okay. The the big one, as I was mentioning before, was the legal issue because there's so many nuanced things that go on. And one of the issues is that families are not having these conversations about end-of-life decisions and wishes. And so what will happen is if the care receiver is not able to communicate those wishes and have not put them in writing, what you find is one sibling may say, well, mom, you know, because of her love for life, doesn't want to go on a respirator. Then the other one says, no, mom would want us to do whatever. And you find the family become fractionated because these things were never done. And so it's important that these difficult conversations are done when the person is still able to do it. And it's really critical to do planning around a number of different things. Like if your parent decides, their one parent dies and the other one decides they want to stay in a house they've lived in for more than 60 years or so, they're not going to feel comfortable being moved to come and live close to where you are. So basically what you do is you identify sort of a village around them to support them where you'll have civic, faith-based, other, their friends, neighbors, other family, be able to come in and do different things or help out or at least check on them. Because if you're moving this person, there are other issues that you have to look at. Do you have to adapt your house by doing some renovations to make it accessible for this person if they have other issues? And so there are lots of different pieces where your finances are going to be challenged further, especially if you've had to start working part-time or you're, you're not doing 
what you need to do in order to get a promotion or to get a job transfer where you get per diem and other um, monies coming in. So it's important that you look at the overall piece because some people are opting more and more now to stay in their home rather than go to assisted living or any of those facilities. And so we have to make sure that their wishes are met because if not, we'll be doing them a disservice. But before we can do that, we have to have that difficult conversation and get things in writing. So just to follow up on that particular point, how early should this planning you're talking about start? I mean, is this something, just to put it in the extreme, that we should be thinking about, you know, when we get into our 40s, 50s or 60s, or generally, do we wait until an illness, a healthcare challenge strikes? What do you think? No, I think the earlier you start, the better. My daughter was 30, fully healthy, and, you know, the first 72 hours, they didn't expect her to live. So already we had had those difficult conversations with our children, my husband and myself, had it all written down, living wills, you know, power of attorney, all that done, whether we wanted to be buried or cremated. All that was, you know, and what sort of heroic things we needed if the situation arrived. Because, you know, people are on the road. You can have a motor vehicle accident. You can, you know, anything can happen. You can have a heart attack even though you're a marathon runner. There's nothing that precludes an emergency from occurring. People are driving, you know, under the influence, and you're innocently driving, and you get, you know, hit and catastrophic injuries. So it's important we realize that we need to be able to talk about this. We need to try and not get too morbid about it. Most other cultures have this conversation, and there are certain expectations within the family. But, you know, here we think death and dying is inevitable, so we keep putting it off, but it's not. So the more we talk about this and get it socialized within our societies, the easier it is going to be to be able to have the, all these decisions together and making sure that everything is done. Because when you end up going through the process, that's not the time you should be trying to figure out, you know, what mom wanted or what dad wanted or what sister wanted or whoever. It's better to do it when everybody is at their best, and not worrying about what's next. Is this what's called a living will? Yes. Right. And um, also a power of attorney. Somebody yeah. has to be able to make legal decisions. Right. Now, at this point, um, we have to take the break again. Um, and so we'll do that now. And what we're going to do is to come back to more about these issues, uh, Pam. Okay. So let's go into the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Dr. Pamela Thomas. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CGM, 
CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready for an open, informative, and fun discussion on health, wellness, and a whole lot more? If so, you'll need to tune in to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie, featuring award-winning TV host Forbes Riley and multimedia producer, author, and CEO Charlie Fusco. Our show is real, honest, opinionated, and full of laughs. Our well-known guests of authors, experts, and celebrities will give you the inside scoop on health, fitness, and personal success. The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Pamela Thomas. Our topic is family caregiving, employee health and safety, and productivity. Now let's talk about the consequences of the challenges that you were mentioning, Pam, the challenges faced by family caregivers. So what are the most important consequences for family caregivers if they don't receive the help they need? Well, basically one of the bigger challenges for the consequences for the employers, if we want to put it on that side, is they lose a very valued employee because at some point this person is so overwhelmed they may end up with depression or end up with substance abuse or other, you know, uh, things that they're using to cope with what they're facing. And that is not something you you want to push people into because they're trying to do their best in a very difficult situation. So you want to make sure that we're pro- providing the resources to keep them out of that area because that's not a good place to be. We have to look at issues relative to they get into this mode of denial where they start thinking, well, Maybe the family member isn't as bad as I thought they were, and so things are going to be okay, so maybe I can do more hours at work, and then they start getting into all kinds of other issues. The other piece that you see often is that people get very angry, and with that, they feel guilty. And those are emotions you don't want to have to deal with because what sometimes happens is they end up not really wanting to but end up 
causing some hurt, physical harm to their care receiver. And that has other consequences. And sometimes we hear about elder care issues, elder care abuse, and all that. This is because sometimes people, and it's, you know, most of the time involuntary because they get pushed to the edge and they get angry. And the other issue is sometimes the care receiver gets a little bit angry at the caregiver because especially if it's a spouse and they're limited in what they're capable of doing, they're a little bit angry at the spouse who has no problem and is there pushing them to get this done or do this or do that. And so it becomes a very volatile situation. And what then happens is you'll find that the caregiver starts withdrawing from their social support, and that then puts them in isolation. And sometimes, especially when people try to reach out to them and for whatever reason that's going on with their care receiver, they keep putting things off and not, you know, being able to participate, people then sort of leave them alone. Instead of finding other ways to engage them, they walk away and said, well, I tried and, you know, she's always canceling at the last minute. But we have to put ourselves in their shoe to realize that it's not because they want to. Sometimes they may not be able, if it's a female, to go and get their hair done. So they don't want to be seen in public. But if somebody would encourage them and say, hey, just, you know, come put on a hat or a scarf. You are fine the way you are. We'll just choose someplace else. That helps them realize, well, maybe I can go out and maybe I just need a breather. Sometimes they have no idea that the person's insurance provides what's called respite care, where they'll send somebody in the house to give them an hour or two to just go out and walk in the fresh air or sit in the park and read a book or do something just for them. Go out, get a massage if they want to, that kind of stuff, rather than being locked in. And they also end up with exhaustion, and that's both physical and emotional. They have problems sleeping. They have problems concentrating, and that's a big issue at work because work lacks, and then the customers get upset, and then the bosses get upset, and then, you know, they may or may not get terminated. They also have increased health problems. You start seeing more diabetes and other issues relative to stress occurring. And so it's important that we help these people reach out to them. We support them, either coworkers or people in the neighborhood or people from the faith-based organizations, because some of those faith-based organizations have what's called a STEVA ministry, and it's basically a trained caregiver that will come in and spend some time with the sick relative, just to sit with them, talk with them, you know, if they want to, whatever they want to talk about, while this person even just sit, put their feet up and have a cup of coffee or something just to get that stress down. So it's important that we recognize these symptoms and realize that it's, you know, an impending problem and try to help by reaching out to these people. Um. I want you to talk, uh, please, now about the ways in which your services help family caregivers 
and they're working family members to avoid the consequences you've just been describing. What, what, what does your service do for family caregivers? One of the things that we do is try to help them understand that they have to, one, plan ahead to make sure that they're fulfilling the wishes of their family members and not being having to be second-guessed by other relatives. But another critical thing is they have to give themselves credit for what they're doing. Some people have family members are sent home from the hospital with tubes or IVs or whatever, difficult dressings, and somehow they find the strength and the courage to take care of that. And they do the best job that they can. And so they have to, at the end of the day, just sit for two to five minutes, even if that's all they can do. You know, we have to try to get them to sit and say, well, I think I accomplished at least one thing today, and so that will help me feel less overwhelmed. The other thing they have to do is really focus on maintaining their health. And so we try to tell them, you know, ways of doing some activity. Basically, you're preparing a meal, put, you know, a tape or the radio on and just dance. That's good activity. And you don't have to do it for 30 minutes at a time. You can do three 10-minute segments and get the same benefits. Try to pay attention to what you're eating. Make sure you're getting enough fruits, vegetables, getting your water. Try to make sure that you sleep well because you have to restore your brain and your body to be able to go the next day. You have to also make sure that you look at, you know, what resources are around like nonprofits or faith-based or you know, groups that provide certain services have to also understand that there are certain tax breaks available that you may be eligible for to pay expenses relative to caregiving. So we try to educate them around these things so that they can go check it out for themselves. It's also important that they understand they need to keep up with their social network can be by phone, by text, by Skype, Facebook, whatever, but they have to stay connected. Isolation is the biggest killer because you're there being stressed out, trying to do everything by yourself, and sometimes you feel like you're not getting ahead. Now, the thing they can do is join a support group relative to whatever the diagnosis is for their family member and also get some professional help. And this might be in terms of a daycare for the person or in-home sitting, any of these things. Sometimes those are provided either through the workplace or through the insurance. And make sure they educate themselves as much as they possibly can around the condition that they're dealing with with their family member. That prevents a lot of stress because if something changes, and they're aware that that's a possibility, and they won't totally freak out in the middle of the night trying to figure out if they did something wrong and if they're going to cause this person to die and all that. 
Right. Pam, you mentioned the, the importance of keeping in touch where family caregivers social network with each other uh, by way of keeping in touch. And I imagine that's in part also to deal with the question of loneliness, which we often hear about when family caregivers are talking on this show. So what I want to ask you is a question. Do you, through your work, involve yourself in any of this social network, or is this is something that you encourage the family caregivers to do among themselves? What we do is encourage the employers to provide these networks because oh. we know if you know these people are in the workplace, each person is thinking they're the only person who has this problem. And sometimes when they know that other people are going through the same thing, people like to feel like they're a part of something. And so by connecting them, and it could be by, you know, telephone or a web link or anything that they can reach out. Sometimes it's just to find out about a particular resource and or, you know, where did you get whatever when you needed it and who did you talk to at Social Security, and, you know, what did they tell you? And these different things, are you using, you know, an elder care lawyer or a geriatric doctor? Can you give me those connections? All these things are ways of reducing stress, because stress is the big driver of a lot of the issues that we're seeing with caregivers. And so we have to make sure we're providing these links and Thankfully, now we have a lot of telephonic and electronic support through computers that we can link these people and, you know, they can even see each other face-to-face on Skype or, you know, other things on their iPhone and all that. Right. Pam, I'm going to stop you there because once more it's time to take the break. Okay. Uh, we'll do that. We'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Pamela Thomas. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on Fitness RX Radio. If you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically, this is the show for you. We'll look at competitions from the inside out, bring you fitness tips, nutrition to keep you on top of your game, and so much more. We want to hear from you, too, and we'll take your questions by phone or email. Tune in to Fitness RX Radio, airing every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Look and feel your best. You've got your family, and you need to keep talking, and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing agoraphobic? 
Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the Psychologist Chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Pamela Thomas. Our topic is Family Caregiving, Employee Health and Safety and Productivity. Pam, I want you to tell us about what more you would like to see done to help family caregivers caring for working family message members. And I also want to, you to share with us your messages for various people. Now, first off, what, in what ways would you like to see more help provided for family caregivers caring for working family members? Yes. The big issue, as I say, is lack of knowledge. There are a number of resources that are available that these caregivers have no idea that they could access if somebody would help them find it. And so employers are tasked with a number of things to try and help their caregivers who are in the workplace to make sure that they're letting these people know what's going on. One of the issues is work policies. In other words, can they do a shared job? Can they do jobs from home? Can they work odd hours? And these are just questions people are afraid to ask because for some reason they're not aware that they have rights in the workplace. And so they, I call them sort of the silent um, warriors because they're there trying to do work, but their minds are so full of all the other things they have to do that they're not being very productive at work, and when they go home, they are so exhausted they're not being productive at home either. So by equipping them with these things that they need and help them realize that they can do all this by reaching out to the resources. They have to understand that the Family Medical Leave Act covers them, you know, flex time, telecommuting, job sharing, understanding the function of the employee assistance program, which they can either access through an 800 number or on site because some employers do that. And all these things that are there for them. They can set up pre-tax accounts for dependent care. They can get education on public access resources. You know, the workplace can set up 
as I said before, supportive networks. And they can also, if employers understand what the pressure points are, they can help these people go through and have more productivity because they're less stressed. So in other words, train managers and supervisors to be sensitive to some of these issues, make sure they are able to spot when people are getting in trouble before they're totally over the line. Right. They have to look at, you know, how to publicize local resources, expanding certain work-life benefits, you know, research options like emergency dependent care or paid caregivers leave or other issues. So there are a number of things employers can do to help their employees, and the employers that are doing it are actually measuring more productivity and the employees, the caregivers, they are more, more productive sometimes than the other employees because they're so grateful for the help they're getting. So it pays for itself, and the return is really good. Great. Pam, I'm going to ask you what your message is for family doctors and other healthcare professionals about the role of family caregivers, you know, in the situations we're, we're talking about. I'm going to ask you to be fairly brief because I have another message question for you afterwards. So okay. your message for family doctors and their like, what is it? Family doctors have to realize that people are not trained caregivers in other words, medical caregivers. And there's this issue of what we call low health literacy. Health has its own vocabulary and its own meaning for different things. So physicians have to make sure they're not talking to these people above their heads, but they're listening to what the needs are and then helping them to get actionable items addressed so they can do what they need to do because even if they have one of their nurses or medical assistants do some training, show people how to lift, how to turn, how to change dressings, how to care for IVs, that kind of stuff, you'll find that these people can do things without being totally stressed all the time. So it's important that family physicians realize that there's a need to equip these people when they're discharging their family member with some, you know, critical needs. And by doing that, it makes everybody's life easier and this person can do what they need to do as well as function in the workplace. Right. Now, Pam, what's your message for family caregivers caring for working family members? Pam? Again, the biggest issue is take care of yourself. If you're not taking care of number one, you can't take care of number two, three, four, or five because family caregivers are in that 20 to 47 or up to 64-year-olds, and they are, for the most part, sandwiched between taking care of children and taking care of parents. And so there is no time for yourself, but you have to make yourself a priority because you're worth it because it's important that you're not getting harmed because of what you're doing, but you're doing things that will help you. So what you have to do is make sure that you get educated 
on things that you need to know about less stressful ways of taking care of your family member. Also, make sure you get the information about the different regulations that are protecting you and allowing you to at least get some tax refunds because this is something that will help you in terms of most caregivers end up spending an additional $10,000 a year out of their own pocket helping to pay for co-pays and other things, co-insurance. So at least the Dependent Care Assistance Plan, which is a 1981 federal reg, will help with some refund tax rebates on purchasing or taking care of a family member. So you have to remember to do that. Make sure that you talk with other people who are going through the same thing. And importantly, keep yourself connected. The holidays are coming up. Don't plan any elaborate things because that's your custom. No, this time, have potluck. Let other family members bring things. You have to get something for the grandchildren. Have the parents pick it up, wrap it, bring it to your house, and then you give the grandkids. It's not anything that's changing your character. It's important for you to realize that when there's help, you get help. Also, assign other duties to other family members. Don't act as if you're the only person who can do it right. They may not do it correctly, but it's being done. So that's important to realize instead of totally stressing yourself out because you will suffer in the long run, and that's not the payment that you should get because you're doing something that's really worthwhile and is helping your family member. So try not to do that by pushing yourself to the limit and then not being able to take care of yourself. So please remember their resources and make sure you educate yourself Talk to your local agency on aging if you have a parent that you're taking care of or Social Security. Some places have other agencies. I know in Georgia they call it Georgia Cares, and they help with all sorts of things, housing and different issues relative to people who are disabled, I guess, for any age or adults who are in the Social Security age group. So it's important that you realize that you don't have to do it alone and you have to stay connected with your resources because that's how you can get by. Sometimes just by having somebody who can listen to you so you can vent gives you enough strength to go on because the important thing is to have strength for caregiving that's not totally causing you too much stress. Right. Pam, unfortunately, I have to stop you there because we, we're going to go to the close any moment. But before we do close, I just want to say to you that, that your message for family caregivers and all the information and insights you've provided during this episode um, is powerful, it's emotional, it's hopeful, and it's helpful. And in that spirit, I want to say thank you to you, not only for this episode, but also for uh, the work you're doing. Um, it's superb work. 
And I congratulate you for your leadership, because that's what it is. I congratulate you for your sensitivity to the needs of family caregivers and your support for them. And I want to wish you and the um, program you, programs you work with every possible, every conceivable success for the future because it matters and it matters to everybody and not least does it matter to the healthcare system because family caregivers, when all said and done, are in fact subsidizing the healthcare system. So, Pam, thank you. Now, I also want to say... I also thank you. I also want to say thank you to our listeners. Uh, we'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear from you about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in our next episode, we'll talk about safe social zone for children with autism and other learning differences. So please join us same, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.